Well, we're glad that you're here with us today. Turn around, look at your neighbor, and say, good morning. Aren't you glad for this beautiful day that's kind of cool instead of so hot? Amen. Let's give Jesus just a big hand clap of praise or a horn honk. We're excited about next week and you being able to join us inside one more time and let your friends know we're excited about what God is doing. We've got some surprises for you on the inside, so you want to make sure to be there and not miss that. This morning, I want to talk to you about promises. Can you say that with me? Promises. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever made a promise and found that promise hard to keep? A few people. How many, how many of you have ever made, how many of you have ever had a promise made to you that wasn't kept? <laughs> a lot more people. And so people always make promises, but sometimes they find them hard to keep. And if you've ever felt the impact of a broken promise, you know how bad that can hurt. When we were children, sometimes it was a promise from our parents that they would take us to the ice cream store that night or out to eat or something, and then something happened and they couldn't do it and we felt devastated and we said, but you told me, you promised me only to have that promise broken. And so we tend to grow up thinking promises aren't that big of a deal. But how many of you know that promises are a big deal? Especially when it comes to God. Naomi knew what it felt like to have a promise made and one that was broken. In Ruth chapter 1 and verse 1 it says, In the days when judges governed Israel, there was a famine in the land of Canaan, and a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to live temporarily, everybody say temporarily, in the country of Moab with his wife and his two sons. So what happens is we find a man, his name is Elimelech, and there's a famine in the land. How many of you have ever gone through some hard times? But what's, what's the one thing that we know about hard times is that hard times pass, don't they? Hard times don't stay hard forever, but sometimes in the middle of those testings and trials, we give up, and when we give up, we never know what might have been. And so the Bible said that there was a famine in the land, and this man by the name of Elimelech packs his family up, and he leaves the promise of God. You understand that Israel, the land of Israel, was given to children or to Abraham's descendants as a promise. It wasn't something that they purchased. It was something that they inherited from God himself. And that land was ascribed to the different tribes of Israel. And so that belonged to them. Elimelech had land that was his by the promise of God. But it doesn't matter whether, you, you know, this, this idea that, well, if you're a Christian, then nothing ever goes wrong. I don't know where that came from, but that's just not true. The Bible said that it rains on the just and the unjust. 
We all experience disappointments in life and trying times. But what you have to do is hang on in those trying times and not give up. I'm sure that Elimelech fully intended to come back to the land, but he left it. He walked away from the promise of God. How many of you know that when you walk away from God's promises, things don't ever get better for you? As a matter of fact, when you walk away from the promise of God, sometimes you never live to walk back and take them or proclaim them again. He intended to come back, but he never got to come back. He went to a place called Moab. In the land of Moab, they had their own gods. The name of their god was Chemush. He was a god that was known for human sacrifice. He had a bloodlust in him. And so the people of Moab offered sacrifices, human sacrifices to this god. And that's where Elimelech takes his family hoping things will get better. How could things ever get better if you walk away from God to embrace what the world's got to offer? How is it that we think that things will be better for us if we turn our back on God and, and just, we plan to come back. I'm not going to stay gone for long, but I just need... I just need to sow some wild oats or I need to, you know, make some money quick and so I'm going to come back. I had a friend that uh, was in some dire straits and he decided that he'd make some money real quick and he'd end up, you know, he wasn't going to stay long, he wasn't going to stay gone long from God, but he just needed to make some money fast and he knew how to do that from his old life, and that was selling drugs. The problem was he never made it back. When he turned, he got in further than he wanted to go and ended up in jail, and, and his life fell apart, and now he's trying to put pieces together. I'm telling you that don't walk away from what God's got for you even when you don't understand why you're going through what you're going through. Elimelech went to Moab. He intended to come back. The thing is, is that once Moab gets a hold of you, it don't want to let go. How many of you have ever had friends that you thought were really friends only to discover that they turned on you, they sold you out, they gave up on you, and you were left standing all alone? Elimelech goes to Moab, and Elimelech winds up dead. Ten years later, both of his sons join him in the grave, and Naomi is left alone. Elimelech has never lived to reclaim the promise of God, and he took his family away from it. Now Naomi is blaming God for what happened. Instead of saying, well, I knew we shouldn't have left the promise of God. I, I, I knew we should have stayed where God called us to. I, I knew we should have been there. Instead, she turns and she looks at her daughter-in-laws and she said, the hand of the Almighty has gone out against me. It wasn't God's hand that went out against Naomi. It was the hand of Moab. How many of you know sin will carry you further than you want to go and keep you longer than you want to stay? And so she finds herself in a mess because the promises that she thought were true ended up being broken. 
I thought about how sometimes we feel like that God has forgotten us. The truth was is God had never forgotten. What Naomi went through and when she comes back into the land that's her own, the people looked at her and they said, is this Naomi? And her name meant pleasant. And she said, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, which means bitter. She said, don't call me pleasant anymore, but call me bitter because the hand of God has been bitter toward me. How many of you know that God doesn't get bitter towards you? That God loves you, he cares about you, but what happens is the devil tries to make you think that it's all God's fault, right? Isn't that what the serpent did to Eve in the garden? He promised her something, but his promises are never deliver. The serpent said, hey, if you eat of the fruit of this tree, you'll be just like God. He said, you won't die, you'll be like God. And what happened? She died, and she wasn't like God. When Eve ate the fruit of that tree, she found out something about the devil that his promise, as everybody say promise, you know, a promise is something that's tangible, but when the devil shows up, his promises always fall flat. Everybody say flat. Just sticking around. No substance to it. Just lays there. Have you ever been disappointed before? Have you ever felt like that God forgot you? Do you understand that God does not forget you? As a matter of fact, Naomi decides to go back home, and here's the reason she's going to go back home. She's going to go back home because she said she heard that the Lord had visited her people with bread. How many of you have ever come out of a long trial? You ever, you ever see God's hand seemingly turn things around overnight? That you were in a situation and you thought, man, this situation's never going to change, and then all of a sudden God changed that situation? If Elimelech would have just held on a little bit longer, he would have experienced the promise of God. God visited his land, his people with bread. But too many times we're chasing after dreams that we can't hang on to, that aren't tangible for us. You know, the promises, the, the devil will make you all kinds of promises. But have you ever tried to catch one of those promises? I need my volunteers to come up here real quick. Go ahead. There's one of them. Where's the others? You want to come on out? Have you ever tried to hold on to a promise of God? I mean, you know, God's promises are tangible. But have you, have you ever had a broken promise? Have you ever had the devil tell you something that he would do and then all of a sudden it just blew up in your face? Anybody ever been there? Huh? Well, yeah, if you guys would just stand over here so people can see you. <laughs> Honestly, folks, I, 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 only had, I only thought James would show up, but I appreciate the others coming. So here's, here's what happens. When you try and catch, it's just like a Limelech running after Moab to catch a promise. And when you try and catch that promise, it just doesn't fare well for you. Those promises are hard, hard to hold on to. They just, they, they, they just end up 
What are you running from? These, these, are you ready? Here you go. Are you ready, honey? Here it is. Catch it. Oh, those promises. Those promises. Here you go. This is yours, Jasmine. Those promises end up. Oh, give them a big hand, would you? Those promises end up. Now, now stay with me here for a second because this is what I want you to get. We look at that and we're laughing because they're the ones that it happened to. But how many of us have ever had that happen? You know what I'm talking about? We've got our hopes all built up in something only to have it explode on us. We think that this is going to take place. We've got things all built up in our mind. and We know that, hey, this day is finally coming. I know that this lottery ticket's a winner. I know that this time I'm going to hit it rich. I know that this plan's going to work. That this, do you understand that if we keep chasing after things instead of chasing after God, we're always going to be disappointed. But the moment that you make up your mind that you're going to go after the promise of God, what you find out is that God's promises are tangible and God's promises move. Now watch this. They start to go home. And as they start to go home, or Naomi starts to go home, as she starts to go home, her daughter-in-laws follow her. And she reaches a point, and she stops, and she looks at them, and she says, girls, go back home. I've got nothing to offer you. He said, she said, if I were to have hope, you have to understand in those days that if their husbands died, they would, the, the brothers would marry the wives that had lost their husbands, and then they would have children in their brother's name. But Naomi was out of sons. And she looked at the, her daughter-in-laws, and she said, look, she said, I've got nothing to offer you. If I had hope to get married tonight, and even if I had a baby tonight, are you going to wait for him to grow up and be a man and marry him? No, it, it's too much to ask said, the hand of God is struck out against me, and I can't ask you to follow after me. Go on back. Here's, what's Naomi, here's what's, what Naomi is saying. I don't have anything to offer you. I'm spent. Even in her own personal relationship with God, she was unsure. She felt bitter. And when she tells those girls that Orpah, one of her daughter-in-laws, kisses her goodbye and she to weep and she leaves and she turns away and she walks back to her land of Moab. Ruth stays with her. Naomi looks at Ruth and says, go back with your sister-in-law. Go. She's gone back to her father's house. She's gone back to Go on back. She's gone with her mother's house and, and, and her gods. And Ruth looked at her and said, don't make me go back. The Bible said that she claved to her. She wrapped herself around her and she said, I don't want to go back. Don't make me go back there. She said, where you go, I'll go. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. And she said, and let the Lord do to me what he's, let the Lord's hand strike out against me 
if anything but death separates us. Let me put this in a different perspective for you today. Ruth is saying, Naomi, I'm not following, I'm not going back with you because of you. I'm going back because of this God of yours you told me about. Don't think for a moment that when Naomi was in Moab that she left God behind her. She had told her, these girls about God. She had shared her God with them to the point that Naomi's heart got, or Ruth's heart was so full of the promise of God and the hope of God that she didn't want to go back. Orpah went back to the gods of Moab, to human sacrifice, to disappointment, heartache and heartbreak. But Ruth said, I'm not going back there. And when she says to Naomi, now think about this, she tells Naomi, may the Lord do so to me. She, you have to look at the translation. She calls the name of God. She does not use an undefined name. She calls the name of God. She says, may Jehovah do more to me. What's she doing? She's saying, I've made Jehovah my God. The Moabites' God do not belong to me anymore. That's not who I am. I've been bought with a price. I'm different now. I'm not going back. I'm going forward. Do you understand that when you make, when he becomes your God, he's not just your mama's God now or your daddy's God or your grandma or your grandfather's God. He's your God. She called his name. She said, may Jehovah treat me. May, may, this is what one translation says. May Jehovah do to me what he's done to you. If anything but death separates us. What was she saying? She's saying, I, I know you've written God off, that you feel like he's dealt bitterly with you, but I would rather embrace that God that way than to go back to what I knew before. Sometimes our perception of God is all wrong, isn't it? When she goes back with her, what she discovers is this, that there's a God that'll never leave us or forsake us. Naomi goes back to her land and she's still bitter and she's sitting around the house and Ruth says, man, I'm going to go out in the field and glean. I'm not just going to sit here. I want to go out and, 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 and believe God for a promise. I want to go out and glean. Everybody say, I want to glean something. So she goes out and she begins to glean in a field and God sets it up that one of her near kin Boaz ends up bringing her into her field. He protects her, he provides for her, and he keeps her until he promises to marry her. Can I tell you that is a type and shadow of Christ? He'll show up on your behalf. He'll keep you. He'll protect you. He'll provide for you until he marries you. And so, I want you to think about this, that that to me, this is so powerful because what Naomi finds out or what Ruth finds out is that God's promises are tangible and they're on the move, that they don't just sit still, but they move. And so she wants to catch hold of that promise. You say, well, what about us today? Do you understand that God's promises for us are not confined to our lifetime? No, no, no. Hang on, hang on. Let me explain this to you. How many of you want to see your great-great-grandchildren blessed? 
No, no, hold on, hold on. How many, of, how many of you want to be able to walk away from this life knowing that your entire family are going to serve God, be children of God, and wind up into heaven? Would it bring you some joy to know that the devil could never get his clutches on your family? That they would never chase after promises that blow apart on them? But that they would hold on to the hand of God and chase the promise of God? Let me share some good news with you today. How many of you have heard about Abraham? You know, you know who Abraham is, right? I'm not talking about Lincoln. I'm talking about the Abraham that God made a promise to. The Abraham that is the reason that a nation called Israel exists today. That Abraham. This is what God's promise was to Abraham. He said, I'm going to multiply your seed like the sand of the sea. And I'm going to cause all the nations of the earth to be blessed in you. And he said that this is a perpetual covenant that I make with you. He said, I'll bless those that bless you and I'll curse those that curse you. And what's he saying? He's saying, I'm going to stand by you. I'm going to cause this to happen for your family. So Abraham was real excited when he saw it happen. He never saw it happen in his lifetime. When Abraham dies, he's got one son, Isaac. And he didn't come along until Abraham was 100 years old. But the one thing that Abraham understood about God is his promises are sure. And if God spoke it, it's going to happen for my family whether I'm here to see it or not. And so Isaac produces two sons, Jacob and Esau. Jacob has 12 sons. They become known as the 12 tribes of Israel. Do you understand that God's promise to Abraham survived the Holocaust? That there were those that tried to destroy the Jewish race? Six million people's lives extinguished. Two million of those were children. And the devil thought, I'm going to rip this promise of God away from you. You won't have it. They were scattered all over the earth. But can I tell you that God does not forget his promises? That the promises of God are yea and amen. And so God wraps his promises up tight that you can hang on to. And he brings the Jews from all over the earth back to a homeland in 1967 I believe it was there's a six-day war Iraq or and uh, uh, Jordan Egypt uh, these all these these nations come against them they're going to destroy them they said that they had no hope but when the dust settled Israel was still standing they had not been defeated they had won I'm getting excited about this promise <laughs> because see God said something to us he's told us he's promised us that he'll bring our children back from the north the south the east and the west if we'll hold on to him and this is a promise everybody say it with me this is a promise I can't hear you this is a promise no no get out of your car step out of your car a second you need to get excited. You can't sit in your car and talk about this promise. You're going to have to get out of your car. Everybody say it with me. This is a promise 
that knows how to move. Say it with me. God's promise to me and my family is bigger than any devil in hell. God's promise to me will not be destroyed. But it's going to continue on in my life, in the life of my children, in the life of my grandchildren, in the life of my great-great-grandchildren. Do you understand that somewhere, someplace, if God tarries, there's going to be a McNeely that shows up that hears about his great-great-great-great-great-great-grandpa that would not let go, that climbed up on top of the roof of a church when they said they couldn't have church and said, I'm going to hold on to the promise of God. And it's going to continue, and I'm running after it with everything I have. Come on, let's give him a shout of praise today. Don't let, you know, that, that's just, that was just a little promise, right? But it sure knew how to move. You need to understand that dynamite comes in small packages. And you mark my word, friend, what we've been through these last few months have not been in vain. But God is going to visit each home each heart, each family, and fulfill to us the promise that He spoke because we refused to let go when things got rough. Come on, stretch your hands to heaven and pray with me right now. Father, we thank You and we praise You because we know that Your promises are yea and amen. Yes, so be it. We rejoice in that today, God. We lift up our hearts and our heads to glorify you and magnify you. And we say with anticipation and expectation that we know the best is still yet to come. In Jesus' name. Come on and give my hand clap of praise. Yeah.